Coming to you via the internet and your friends at PipesMagazine.com, it's the Pipes Magazine radio show. The show that is so bad, if it was a casino game, it would be named Craps. Now, I invite you to sit back, relax, the smoking lamp is lit. Here's your host, Brian Levine. Welcome, welcome, welcome to the Pipes Magazine radio show. Yes, the sometimes irreverent, sometimes educational, but always entertaining weekly pipe smoking broadcast. And I am your host, Brian Levine, coming to you on a uh, Monday evening. And on uh, this week's episode in Pipe Parts, we're going to get back to the uh, the Pipe Smoking 101 Revisited and we'll break down uh, the different types of blends of tobacco. Uh, well, we'll start working our way through the different types of blends of tobacco. My guest tonight is a relatively new pipe maker, Reed Robertson. We'll have uh, music because of, uh, well, guest, inspi- uh, guest requested, inspired by Las Vegas music, mailbag, and rant. All that coming up on this week's episode of the Pipes Magazine radio show. Uh, remember, if you are coming to the Las Vegas International Pipe Show and you've got questions, well, most of them are on the website, so poke around there first. Uh, check them out. I did a, you know, spent a lot of time writing up that website, so a lot of your answers are sitting there right on that website. Uh, we're kicking things off. I guess some folks will start gathering on Wednesday night in, uh, in some of the suites and uh, up on the 14th floor. Uh, if you are coming and you are going to be posting stuff, please use the hashtags Vegas Pipe Show or hashtag LVIPS. And uh, keep an eye on the YouTubes, the Instagrams, and all around for pictures coming up this weekend if you are not coming to Vegas. Uh, and yeah, and as I'm doing this show, I'm also pre recording next week's show because I won't be coming back until Tuesday. And I wanted to make sure you had a show ready for you and didn't want to just run off a plane and do that. <laughs> uh, we're, we're also being a little smarter this time, and we're going to take all of Monday and uh, just kind of rest and relax in Vegas and, uh, you know, maybe do some, I don't know, just do something fun and not have to worry about rushing right back or having a whole bunch of stuff to do. So uh, that's a, a travel tip for those of you that do uh, work-related trips and stuff like that, if you can. Take the whole night and the next day to rest up, especially after like a long weekend like this. Uh, Yeah, try to rest up before you head home. All right, let's get the show rolling. So everybody sit back, relax, fire up a bowl. Thank you all for tuning in. And here we go. For you, dear. Say, my favorite pipe tobacco. Why that swell? I haven't seen this for years. Wherever did you find it? On tidbits.com, of course. You mean the Pipe Collectors Auction site? Yes, that's right. They have vintage and hard-to-find tobaccos, pipes, and accessories, too, you know. You don't say. I can buy all those things on tidbits.com? That's right. But you can also sell some of those pipes and tobaccos you don't smoke anymore, too, dear. Perhaps you're trying to tell me something. Visit tidbits.com, the Pipe Collectors Auction site. Missouri Meerschaum Company has been continuously handcrafting authentic corncob pipes in the USA for over 150 years. They carry over 55 styles of cool smoking corncob pipes, colonial area clay pipes, and affordable hardwood pipes. From exciting new pipe and tobacco releases to accessories and more, Missouri Meerschaum Company is a must-see at www.corncobpipe.com. Missouri Meerschaum Company. Authentically original. Authentically you. And we are back on the Pipes Magazine radio show. All right. Uh, Tobacco 101 Revisited. Remember, we've gone back through uh, pipes, you know, and the parts of the pipe. And we just covered the tamper. And now we're going to get into the uh, tobacco portion of it. And this one's going to be kind of an overview and, and brushed real quickly. Because in my mind... And my mind is very simple. There are two different, there are two basic different kinds of tobaccos that we use in pipe tobacco. There are either Virginias, which are the bigger, brighter colored leaves. And then there's Burleys, which are the smaller, darker colored leaves. 
Now, if you'll remember back in history, it was Virginia Tobacco that was originally the the boon stock of the colonies, and that was what was used for... uh, those original snuff blends and uh, and the original pipe tobacco blends that were you know that were being smoked in the 1600s and 1700s, uh, Virginias are what uh, predominantly became uh, part of cigarettes for most of Europe and Canada, and then you have the other leaf, burley. Now Virginias grow. We're growing predominantly along, uh, you know, Virginia and the Carolinas and into Georgia. And then you went over the Smoky Mountains and all of a sudden here comes this thing called Burley, which is a smaller, darker leaf. Uh, The difference between the two is Virginia is a little lighter, a little more, uh, a a lighter body, a little more sweeter. And Burley is a little heavier body and a little more uh, nicotine and a little more intense. Uh, so these burleys were found, and you'll, you'll find burleys all around. Uh, you know, there, there are some growing in Maryland, but most of them, most of them are going to be in Kentucky and Tennessee, and you'd get some a little further, you know, get some a, further, a little further out. So those are the two basics for what we're really concerned with. Tobacco either falls into a Virginia or a burley. Uh, in the U.S., we adopted Burley as the primary tobacco for cigarettes because it had a little more intensity to it. Um, and, and there's ways that you can, you know, there's things that you can do to Burleys like, you know, like dark fire it and make it a little bit more intense. And then you get some of the darker cigarettes like we had with uh, the French brand Galois, which was f- you know famous for its really dark tobaccos. Uh, but predominantly, Virginias were being used in Europe Burleys were being used in the United States, and this trend started in like the 1900s when uh, mechanized um, cigarette making took over. On the pipe tobacco side, it followed the same way. Uh, Most of the European blends were Virginia-based, and a lot of the American blends were Burley-based. Uh, a lot of, especially when you look at the aromatics, which again, aromatics still make up 75, 80% of the production of pipe tobacco in the world. Uh, the European tobacco manufacturers, their, uh, their aromatic blends are Virginia based and the American style is more of a burly based, uh, American style, especially in aromatics is a little bit more heavy on the flavor, but you get a little bit more impact from the burly. And the Virginia-based cabin, uh, the Virginia-based flavored uh, aromatics in Europe, yeah, a little less flavor forward, little more tobacco behind them. So that's that's the traditional style. Now you get into the varietals, and everything else is a yeah. It, just to simplify it for everybody, and this is going to dummy it really down. But when you start looking at a lot of the Oriental varietals or Turkish tobaccos. Those are basically derivatives of a burley. When you start looking at the stuff that's grown in uh, Louisiana for Perique, that's basically a burley. Uh, it's a derivative of a burley leaf. So you've got still you've got these two that are Virginia and or burley, and that's about it. Unless you get into, and then we'll, we'll touch on this briefly, but you get into some of the really bizarre stuff like rustica or deer tongue was used. Uh, you'll find some other oddities that were thrown in there. The, uh, thinking of the, uh, the Semwa tobaccos that are grown in uh, Belgium. Uh, you get those and you know, those are, those are just really unique uh, unique blends for from specific areas and then the processing helps them along and the processing is a different style all right but again when you look at a pipe tobacco pipe tobacco blends are either virginia based or burley based and even you know even the latakia which i loathe so much well that's basically a burley leaf that is processed in a different way it's an oriental that's processed differently to give it a different aspect and, you know, and to create a different experience. So when you're looking at tobacco blends, understand that they are either Virginia based or Burley based. And that's very much the simplicity of it. And that dummies it way down 
for those of us that are not uh, master head blenders, but that's really where it is. It's either Virginia or Burley. And here in America, again, we're used to a lot of the burley based uh, burley based flavors, and you'd even find some high end burley uh, burley tobaccos in the sixties and seventies, and all across Europe. Well, that was all Virginia based. So, hope that helps. Hope you uh, hope you can can understand. If I went into too much detail, it just wouldn't make it wouldn't make sense. And I'm not an expert in the really detailed nuances of the different types of Virginias and the different types of Burleys and all the and all the different strains of tobacco. But for those of us that are discovering our way or finding our journey, well, there you go. Um, there's a lot of, a uh, lot of information about the different types of tobaccos. If you go back into the archives of the show and listen to the different parts and start picking up different pieces. All right. So there you go. Uh, tobacco 101 revisited the basic types of leaves. And in just a moment, my conversation with Reed Robertson. This is internet radio for over 150 years. Peterson has welcomed all pipe smokers. It's the preferred choice of the thinking man and the everyman alike, and our workshop too is a place of hospitality and warmth. Hi, I'm Glenn Whelan, and for me, Peterson is a family tradition I've known since my childhood. My dad, Tony Whelan Jr., worked at Peterson for 53 years and has been my home since 2003. From sweeping our factory on a Saturday morning, to managing our store, to now steering our international distribution, I've seen the craftsmanship poured into each Peterson pipe. It lives in Jason's discerning eye as he handcrafts our silver accents and in Wojciech's able hands as he carves our rustications. It abides in Willie's grading and in Warren's papering. Peterson has welcomed us as contributors to its legacy. And it's a welcome we always extend to you. Cade Mila Folge, 100,000 welcomes, wherever you come from, whosoever you be. We're back on the Pipes Magazine radio show, and joining us is a relatively new a new name in pipe making to most of you, and I gotta say, you have the most intriguing first pipe memory for me personally of anybody, so uh, Reed Robertson of Robertson's Pipes, welcome to the Pipes Magazine radio show. Well, thank you so much. It's a, it's a real pleasure to be here. Thanks for having me. So for everybody following along, the website is robertson, S-O-N, pipes.com. Uh, same thing, you can find them on Instagram and all the and all the Twitters and all those things. So, But Reed, uh, let's back up. And uh, where did you grow up? When did you grow up? What did you want to be when you grew up? Oh, I uh, grew up in a very small town called uh, Lawrenceville, Georgia, uh, and it, it was really nothing for a while. And then in the uh, 90s, uh, the county I grew up in in Georgia is called Gwinnett County. It really just it took off and was one of the fastest growing counties in the United, in the United States. And so it just grew into this massive area. But I'm from a very small area that's... Um, that, that didn't there wasn't even a blip on the map before <laughs> all of that so yeah so did what did you grow up i mean i'm assuming in small town georgia that uh friday night high school football was a big deal oh yes yes i played football um in middle school and high school i, I stopped playing football in high school but yeah when i was growing up the football games on friday nights were uh basically uh, its own <laughs> religion essentially yeah yeah, so what did you want to be when you grew up? I mean, and and how does that work your way into pipe making? <laughs> uh, gosh, I, I learned very early on that I had a real affinity to, for music, and uh, that's kind of where I um, focused my life. Um, probably from uh, really starting to think about what I want to do when I grew up in high school, I, I really started to uh, hone in on the music aspect or music talent that i had and i uh, did a lot of um singing um, around in um, the state of georgia as far as the all state and honors chorus and all that kind of stuff and <laughs> i guess i can thank my uh my godfather uh his name is arthur but uh anyway he kind of uh influenced me and my brother uh into getting into classical music wow um yeah, it, it's unusual. We, we we didn't grow up like 
your normal childhood as far as growing up listening to the things our parents really loved because we were my parents weren't really into the music that much they were a little bit but um when i heard classical music for the first time i, I really took to it and loved it uh and um essentially went into college thinking i was going to go and become an opera singer actually wow small town georgia opera singer <laughs> we were we were very very uh, lucky. My brother and I both to have a extremely talented uh, and nurturing and loving uh, chorus teacher in high school. Um, her name was Mrs. Judy Spears, and she she could teach a classroom of ninety high school freshmen how to sight read music in about thirty minutes. Oh, okay. Yeah. I'm gonna I'm gonna call her. We're done. Um, I'll see you later. Um, <laughs> She's amazing. She's yeah. amazing. <laughs> so did the music career go anywhere besides college? Uh, not much because actually in college I, um, I was singing so much. Um, and, uh, and, and I went to a small liberal arts college called Furman university, yeah. um, in Greenville, um, which was not only a great music school, but, uh, a very good academic school, that I had no business being at, to be honest with you. I called myself um, a musical athlete when I was there because <laughs> <laughs> they gave me scholarships and grants to, to sing, but I, it was way above my head as far as ac- academia is concerned. Academia is concerned. Um, I, I'm not a school person by any means. I did well in high school, but um, beyond that, uh, after college, I was so burnt out from singing yeah. So much. I just, I couldn't imagine going to grad school and keep, keep going with that. So how do we get, uh, well, let's, let's jump right to your first pipe memory that's on your website. Okay. <clears throat> Cause I want you to tell that story and how much I love it. <laughs> I mean, it's, it's not really much to tell. I was, uh, my parents for, for some odd reason, like parents do decided to take a two year old to Walt Disney, to uh, Walt Disneyland or Walt Disney World. I always get those confused. Everyone's in Florida. Is that Walt Disney Land or Florida World? World. Disney World, World. is Florida. Yeah. yeah. <laughs> so that's where they took me as a two-year-old, like I, you know, like I would ever remember most of it. But I, I do remember this one distinct memory of being in Disney, uh, Walt Disney World. And I, I remember the smell. I remember this, this amazing, intoxicating smell. And I remember asking my mom, you know, what is that amazing smell? And she's like, oh, somebody's smoking a pipe near here apparently <laughs> we couldn't see them or didn't know who it was but it's just that smell is just stuck with me uh and it's just I, i'll never forget it um <laughs> as long as yeah as long as i smoke a pipe i'll never forget that memory so when do we get to you uh, actually like picking up a pipe or tobacco or or getting interested obviously not a two-year-old anymore <laughs> no my um uh, my great-grandfather uh who was a um a uh, barber uh, in Decula, Georgia, which is a even smaller town from Lawrenceville, Georgia. But um, he was a barber in downtown Decula, and he smoked a pipe literally everywhere he went. He smoked a pipe while cutting hair, <laughs> um, and so he had he smoked he smoked um, Paladin cherry tobacco. That's all he smoked. Yeah. Um, so yeah, it, it, I remember seeing the pipes on my. Um, in my grandfather's house and my grandmother had the pipes after he passed away. And so that influenced me and also watching, of course, you know, the Lord of the Rings and the Hobbit animated movies back before the live action movies came out. Right. Um, but seeing the animated movies with them smoking pipes and at 18 years old, I, I told my mom I wanted to smoke a pipe. Um, and she was, actually, I bet she was actually proud of me, honestly. So being disappointed, <laughs> And so, so she took me um, to the Tinderbox at Gwinnett Place Mall in Georgia. Yeah, and she bought me a four dot Sassini. 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 Yeah, and I st- and I still have it right here. I'm holding on to it right now. Um, it's a four dot Sassini, uh, rough root dark number eight. So what year? Um, what year was that? Just so we get a time frame. Uh, that was two th- year year two thousand. Okay. All right. So, yep. so did you? Did, years old. Yeah, did you take to a pipe like duck to water? <laughs> I, would, I definitely would not say that. I, I definitely had the same uh, issues and problems. I think most <laughs> new pipe smokers, new pipe smokers, have that they 
you know, they, they buy the stuff you see in the jars at the tobacconist and go for the cherry or the fruit flavored tobaccos. And you end up having obviously horrific tongue bite, tongue bite from those things. And even though that happened, I, I still, it didn't discourage me. Um, I, I, I enjoyed it still and uh, stuck with it for, for a good little while. And it didn't hurt also that when I went to college, um, my um, college professor, uh, the director of Furman Singer's uh, Dr. Bing Vick uh, is his name. He was at Furman University for 40 years, but he also he was an avid pipe smoker. Uh, and so whenever we would go anywhere outside of school with the chorus, be it on our spring tour in, in the United States or if we went on our uh, biannual European tour, which I did twice with them, we'd always end up buying pipes at uh, whatever city we were in and uh, sit around a, a group of us and smoke pipes together in college. That had, so you were you were traveling in in Europe in college and smoking a pipe. Yes, sir. Oh. I, uh, I bought a Peter. I bought a Peterson while I was in um, Edinburgh, Scotland. I bought a Peterson pipe. That was our first time buying a pipe overseas. Wow! Yeah. <laughs> <laughs> and and of course, by that time, you had a mentor that could show you how to pack and light and do it all correctly. Yeah, well, I mean, honestly, I, I kind of, I didn't really have anyone to show me that. He didn't, um, Dr. Fick wasn't really kind of person that would sit down and be very, he, he was, he was the, the director and he was a, a very dignified person and, and, and he kind of kept a distance basically from the students as far right. as um, letting, letting, letting us in personally. Uh, but he was, he was very, very friendly and he definitely enjoyed smoking pipes with us, but he wasn't the kind of person to sit down and show us how to do anything. So I, I kind of just had to figure that out on my own and, uh, and get, get it right. Um, <laughs> at that time. All right. We're going to take a break right here. When we come back, we'll talk about pipe making. So more with Reed. So stay with us. We'll be back in just a minute. Take a look at your pipe rack. Are all those briars and mirrors constant companions in your rotation? Or are there some that you gravitate to more than others? Are there some that you simply don't smoke anymore? Through SmokingPipes.com's estate trade program, you can transform those underused pipes into immediate cash or store credit. Just send us your pipes and we'll unpack, inspect, and evaluate them based on extensive market research and over 20 years of experience. Then we'll contact you with a detailed offer for your choice of cash or store credit, valid on any items in our vast selection of pipes, tobacco, cigars, and accessories. If you're not happy with our quote, we'll return your pipes free of charge to domestic addresses. It's that simple. Join the thousands of Smoking Pipes customers who have benefited from this program and start your trade today by contacting us at 888-366-0345. That's 888-366-0345. We are back on the Pipes Magazine radio show, visiting with pipe maker Reed Robertson. So, all right, you know, all right. So you've smoked a pipe for a while. Now, what in what what was going on in your head when you said I'm going to try to make a pipe? Oh, um, well, I mean that came um, uh, after many many years later, and the uh, the thing that kind of uh, jettisoned it into um, creation basically was that my wonderful wife that I have now she purchased me uh, as a gift for my birthday classes at um, there's a place called Klingspor which is a woodworking retailer and amazing uh, place for, for woodworking supplies but she purchased me classes uh, to do wood turning and bowl turning at their location here in Asheville um and I absolutely just fell in love with wood turning and bowl turning. And so um, she ended up uh, also buying for me for my birthday the next year um, a wood lathe, um, some other uh, various tools. And that kind of, I just thought I, I've always loved pipes. I've always wanted to try to make pipes. I finally have something at my you know disposal to try to do it. Let's give it a shot. <laughs> and uh, that's what I did. I um, turned a pipe on the wood, on this little Harbor Freight wood lathe that I still have that I use now as my buffing area, my buffing station. Um, 
but yeah, when I first started making pipes, I turned them all on a wood lathe by hand with uh, wood chisels or yeah, wood turning chisels. Wow, so that's kind of like the old turning, like the old way that people used to turn like uh, chair legs and uh, and all kinds of other decorative furniture. Exactly. Actually, and I actually my neighbor he actually had a chair that was missing a spindle, uh, and I helped make a new one for that chair for him, which was really a lot, a lot of fun to try to get those dimensions right and everything it was really really cool. So you had to match up one that was existing. Yeah, you had to match to the exactly. one that was existing, right? Yes, exactly. Yeah. Yeah, and the exact dimensions and the exact okay, yeah. So <laughs> Yeah, I'm with you. All right, so how'd that pipe turn out? <laughs> I mean yeah, yeah. I mean I, I can't so it's funny actually I um you know, so you know, I studied um uh, my pipe making with a very, very wonderful pipe maker and famous and amazing pipe maker. And uh I, I'm not sure if you want to talk about that later or bring it up now. Both. Yeah, you okay. you can mention David's name because he'll be okay. listening. So yeah, he, he David Huber is who I went to study with. Yeah. Uh, and when <laughs> my first pipe, uh, as compared to David's first pipe, is pretty laughable. Um, I mean, it's not horrible. I made it from cherry wood. I didn't make it from briar, and I did I did hand shape and everything the mouthpiece for it out of acrylic of twelve all things, which was I just I've learned I've learned that acrylic is one of the most difficult and hard things to work with um, as far as pipe making is concerned. But I did it all by hand and got the tenon in the pipe fitting great. I still have it. It's, it's, it's an okay pipe, but it's definitely not attractive at whatsoever. <laughs> yeah. So, so you get, so you get through, but you get through the first one and then you're like, um, I like this. Oh yeah. 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 I was, I was, I was hooked and um, tried for a long time to get in to get some lessons, but that was, Unfortunately, that was, of course, right when COVID really hit. Um, and so I had a lesson or a class to take with uh, Grant Batson, actually. And uh, that was actually 2019. And that class was canceled due to lack of um, interest, actually. Didn't have as many, enough students to keep the class going. And then I signed up for a class with David Huber uh, at his studio, at the Liberty Arts Studio in uh, Durham. And then that was canceled due to COVID. So... Yeah, I was trying my best to find someone or somewhere to, to learn how to make pipes. And I, I knew, was listening to people like um, you know Jeff Grasick and stuff on his uh, YouTube channel and whatnot. I knew that that was the next level of pipe making is getting in with an artist and pipe maker that would propel your work to another level, basically. So, I mean, let's let's dig into it. So, you know, David's a bit of a perfectionist. Um, but what what was it that once you got a chance to work with him, is there something that you can pinpoint that was like the tipping over, you know, the tipping point or the aha moment for you? Just his, um, yeah. I mean, it, it was more so the, the learning the processes that he works, uh, that he, he sticks by and 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 shows you how to how you can do things in a very efficient way and get amazing results. In, and uh, if you just stick, if you, you know, one of my favorite, I'm also an avid uh, cook and foodie. One of my favorite chefs is Marco Pierre White. And one of my favorite phrases he says is that perfection is doing a lot of little things very well. Um, okay. And that's the same thing with, I think, pipe, a lot of things, but definitely with pipe making. Perfection is doing a lot of little things very, very well. Um, and that's kind of what David showed me is how to set up your shop and set up your processes so that... You're doing every all these little things consistently, and and to a high standard. And once you get those little processes down, each one, um, you'll come out with a, a fire very nice pipe. So it's getting all the little details to line up, and and right. practicing those over and over again so that you get them to line up consistently. Right. Exactly. Was there any discussion with David about you know about looking at looking at the block and how to approach what might be in the block? Oh, yes. I mean, we definitely did some of that. I, I, um, I, I definitely, uh, I think, I think he recognized that I kind of already had a somewhat of an eye for that, but yeah, we definitely sat down and talked about how to, how to look at a block, what, what the, what the process would be when you go to freehand shape a pipe, what the 
what the steps are in terms of where, where you need to go and then yeah. looking at the grain and following that. Yeah, and not being afraid to follow it as well. Because, yeah, exactly. I mean, I, I told David recently, because I've actually got a, a blowfish on the bench right now that's almost finished, and he, I, I, always, I always send him pictures and updates of what I'm doing because I feel like I'm very proud to show him what I'm doing because <laughs> it's all because of him and what he, what he taught me. Um, but uh, I told him recently that the, that the blowfish is kind of like a Rubik's Cube uh, in a block, block of briar. Like every block of briar is a different Rubik's Cube to figure out to make a blowfish. <laughs> and because it's a blowfish there's probably no right answer as opposed to a rubik's cube that yeah 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 exactly i mean and 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 knowing when to stop is the important part too <laughs> <laughs> when when you make a hole in the wall and you've got another hole into the tobacco chamber that's probably a good time to stop yeah, yeah, exactly. Um, I've definitely, um, I've definitely seen some some instances where I, uh, you know, it's the tolerances were just a bit too tight, unfortunately. Did did David discuss with you of when to give up on a block? You know, when when is enough enough? <laughs> I mean, it's not really so much giving up on a block. I mean, obviously, if you, if you find a, a fatal flaw. Um, and if you, and if you also, there are, there are certain tolerances, obviously, that you have to follow when you're making a pipe. I mean, no, no part of the pipe, as far as the wall, the bowl, can ever be below five millimeters. So if you drill out, if you drill out a pipe and you start measuring it with your calipers, and there's any part of the bowl that's less than five millimeters, it's an automatic fail, unfortunately. Um, so yeah, I mean, that's, that's the time, that's the only time you can really say, uh, unfortunately, I've got to throw this block away. I've gotten too close to the, those tolerances. I can't use it, but yeah. no, I mean, unless you find a completely fatal flaw, like in the bowl, for example, uh, that you can't fix, that's the only time you really give up on a block really. How long into pipe making before you actually sold a pipe? Uh, I, <laughs> honestly, I would say way too early. I, 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 I was very, very, very happy to, to get a commission I think I was maybe about nine or ten months into my pipe making journey, and I had no business at all <laughs> making a commission. But I was very excited, and it was for a fr- actually it was for a friend I've known since elementary school. It was for her husband, um, <laughs> and so you know they were they were extremely happy with it. They they didn't say anything bad about it. But looking back now, I'm like, oh man, I wish I could go back and make a much better pipe uh, than that. But yeah, it was like eight or nine months into my pipe making journey. Yeah, and when uh, now that you're at the point where you are selling your pipes, I mean, what was there a moment there where you think, okay, you know, now I'm ready, or I should have waited for what was the what was the finish line, or what was the line that you needed to cross that you were like, yeah, okay, now I can do it. Um, I think it was that that studying with a with an artist and pipe maker. I mean, I'm not saying you have to, honestly, of course, to to sell pipes or to be a great pipe maker. But for me personally, uh, I, I take, uh, I'm, I, I thrive on um, feedback and instruction and coaching. I guess because I'm a I'm an athlete at heart. I've played football and soccer and tennis and yeah. basketball, and so I, I I need that coaching and that and that uh, discipline that somebody tell me like this is wrong, this is right, you know, this is how you do this. And so from somebody who who is experienced and has that knowledge in the, in that, in the pipe world or whatever world it is basically. Yeah. And now with pipe making, um, uh, is, is it a full-time thing for you or are you still making a real living and doing this for fun on the side? <laughs> it's not a full-time thing as of yet. Um, my, uh, my, my wife and I have a, uh, a cleaning company here in Nashville where we clean, um, we clean uh, vacation rentals and we clean residential homes, but we also have properties here in Asheville that we manage or we, we, our, we own that we run as vacation rentals as well and monthly rentals. Um, and so those are the things that really keep us kind of uh, afloat while I'm still trying to get my foot in the door and pipe making uh, <laughs> and, and everything. So, so you're making real money and you want to, and you want to stop doing that and make pipe making money instead. <laughs> It's it yeah it, it doesn't make any sense really honestly but I uh, yeah it, it's just uh, I it's, it's something I've always wanted as far as something to do with my with my life I've I've always been drawn 
to a craft and yeah. and making something with my hands that I can see. Because after college, after trying to be a musician, I had a lot of jobs working as a uh, insurance adjuster, working as a case manager for a law firm. So it was all this this paperwork and piles of work that you really didn't see an end to. We didn't students get to weren't proud of a final product. It was kind of just a never ending churn of just grinding that that the uh, the corporate ladder and everything. So yeah, it's kind of like doing a podcast. You never actually <laughs> see it. It's just a little file and it's done. <laughs> yeah, and then and and then next week you got to do it again. Dang. Yeah. <laughs> Hey, as long as you love it, that's all that matters, really. Yeah, some days. Um, speaking of love it, is there a part of the pipe making process that you just really don't like? Uh, right now, honestly, and I'm, I'm sure most pipe makers will say the, the stem work. Yeah, which I really, I really, honestly don't mind stem work. Honestly, it's kind of one of those things that's weird. I don't, I, I really do kind of enjoy it. I. I would honestly say my most my thing that I'm most trepidous about as far as pipe making is concerned is surrounding my my metal lathe and my uh, with my working with machinery. I didn't grow up <laughs> familiar with that stuff at all. Um, I never had a air compressor in my life, and now I have an 80 gallon Eaton freight train air compressor. Um, <laughs> <laughs> so so these things they 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 do they intimidate me a lot and. Uh, I'm always worried I'm going to mess something up in that aspect of pipe making. And what's your favorite part of the process? Uh, I would say it's got to be the uh, the final uh, finishing and, and seeing it all come together once yeah. you've got it sandblasted or, or you've been working on that smooth pipe and you've got the uh, the, per- the, the shape comp- dialed in the way you want it and uh, finally seeing it all come together as far as the finish and uh, all that sort of stuff. And as of October of 2023, where are your pipes pricing at? And this is another thing I like from, from what you're doing. <laughs> yeah, my, my pipes, I mean, I'm not, um, I, I'm not trying to, to blow anything out of the water, but you know, 200 for a basic sandblasted pipe and then 350 for a, for more high end smooth pipe, probably at this point. And any profits go directly back into robertsonpipes.com and making more pipes and making and buying more machinery that Reed hates. <laughs> I wouldn't say I hate it. It's just it's just something that that, that definitely is it's very intimidating. Yeah. Um <laughs> all right. Any advice for people on renting vacation rentals? Any any things people should look out for? And I and I mention this because I know that one of the big vacation rental websites uh, just announced that they found about 150,000 fake listings. <laughs> yeah, exactly. That's definitely one of the things you definitely watch out for is uh, anything that looks anything looks too good to be true. That is one thing you should definitely watch out for. Um, but other than that, I mean, it's 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 one of those things where you uh, kind of have to just have faith that what you're Renting is the real thing. I, I honestly don't have a lot of really good advice as far as that's yeah. concerned, other than maybe I would suggest if you find a property that you really like on one of these websites that everybody uses, they probably, if they're an established property, they probably have a direct booking website where you can get the property for no fees Ooh. and nothing like that. So you might want to Google that property and see if they have a direct, direct booking website. There you go. Um, any thoughts of specializing in, uh, pipe smokers, vacation rentals? That would be, that'd be absolutely amazing. I don't, I don't <laughs> think that the market's big enough, unfortunately, <laughs> but I would love to do that. Well, maybe we can, maybe we can get you, you know, we can, you set aside one rental for pipe smokers and we can get everybody that listens to the show that's coming to Asheville, especially for the Biltmore around Christmas time or the Biltmore around spring or, you know, don't stay at the Biltmore. They won't let you smoke anywhere anyway. Um, <laughs> you know, you have one rental. It's, you know, just perfect for us pipe smokers. I would, that would be a dream. I would absolutely love that. Yeah. If I could possibly let that happen. Yeah. Run that past the wife and tell her it was your idea, not mine. <laughs> I'll do that. Yeah. <laughs> Reed, we will wrap this up with the fast five final questions. No right answer, no wrong answer, just whatever comes to your mind. Are you ready? Okay. Yes, sir. What is your favorite pipe? Uh, it's got to be um, my uh, unstamped 
uh, David Huber pipe that he uh, he gave me as a, as a shop pipe because it had a crack in the shank. Uh, he didn't finish the stem. He hadn't finished the the finishing on the pipe, and he gave it to me and said, "Here, finish this pipe, finish the stem, and it's yours." <laughs> and I was like, "I will be." And so I still have it. Obviously, I mean, I'm 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 definitely never going to part with it. It's not stamped yeah. or anything, but when you see it, it's just it's most obviously David Huber. What is your favorite tobacco? Um, at the moment, right now, what I'm smoking is really nice. I bought a, a tin of the. Um, Hamburger Beermeister. Yeah, uh, at the Ohio Pipe Show, it's been aged about, I guess, about twenty years or so, Ooh. and uh, it's really good. Yeah. Um, even though I, I definitely gravitated towards English blends, um, uh, you know, early on in my pipe smoking, now I'm really getting into Virginias and aged Virginias. Yeah, and that Hamburger Beermeister is kind of a—it's uh, kind of a sleeper that no one really thinks of. I had never, I had never seen it or heard of it even until I got to the uh, Ohio Pipe Show, and then um, I got on the advice of Nate King. Actually, he said I would buy, I would buy that. Have to correct. I was like, okay, I was like, okay. Uh, you got it. I have to correct you. That's Nate, the King of Pipes. Nate, the King. I apologize. Yeah. Oh. Yeah. yeah, yeah. yeah. Uh, what is your favorite drink? Uh, it would be in the morning, it would be my wife and I's coffee that we make, which we're very serious about. And <laughs> in the evening, it would be a, a single malt scotch of, uh, the Isla islands, preferably. Uh Oh, all right. What, what are we talking about? Coffee? Now you got me really interested. So we, we, we lived in Vietnam and Taiwan for a couple of years. We lived in Vietnam for nine months teaching English in 2016, 2017, and um, we fell in love with their coffee culture, and they have a thing there called egg coffee, uh, which is basically they take egg yolks and sugar, and they whip it until they make a really nice foam, and then they pour um, that with condensed milk and French espresso all into the same coffee cup, and it tastes like a, like a cup of tiramisu, essentially. Wow. Um, and so we make a similar thing, but we actually combine a that that recipe with Cuban coffee in the morning. And so we whip together a, uh, a Cuban coffee sugar whip with an egg yolk and condensed milk. And uh, we probably we probably have like between four and five espresso shots each in the morning. All right. Well, that's cheaper than hitting yourself with electric paddles, but uh, <laughs> definitely. <laughs> yeah, but that uh, now you got all right. That sounds. I mean, that's eggs. You know, you get some protein from the eggs. You get the dairy. You get the sugar and the caffeine. It's like a. It, it's like an entire breakfast all in one cup. It, it is. It is. It is amazing. We were so serious about it. Actually, she was talking about how I'm going to get my coffee in Las Vegas, the Vegas Pipe Show. She was like, maybe I can make you some coffee. And package it and ship it to your hotel, and it'll be waiting for you when you get to your hotel in Vegas. <laughs> we'll talk when we're done recording. Uh, <laughs> when when it's time to relax, do you prefer a book, a movie, or music? Oh, I've got to say, because of my music background, I've got to say music. One of my favorite things to do is um, sit back and with a pipe and a drink and listen to really good music. And my favorite things to do with any close friend is to sit down and we both exchange songs going back and forth, playing with songs we love and sharing that love of, uh, of music together. Uh, and then finally, do you have a favorite pipe smoking related memory besides smelling tobacco at Walt Disney World when you're two years old? <laughs> yeah, uh, it, it's definitely got to be... Um, the first time I lit up a pipe with David Huber at his shop, that was that was pretty special. I I, I never in my life because I've been looking at David Huber's pipes. I mean, since 2013, 14, um, and just being blown away by his craftsmanship. So to even fathom being in his presence in his shop, learning from him was uh, surreal, to say the least. Yeah. The website is robertsonpipes.com. The Instagram is uh, robertson underscore pipes. Check out what he's doing. Reed, thank you very much for coming on. It's been a great pleasure, and thank you so much, Brian. And we'll be back in just a minute. Since its beginnings in 1876, Savinelli has become more than just a pipe factory. It's become a lifestyle. From sourcing the finest Mediterranean briar and partnering with local artisans to acquire unique accents, 
to expanding their catalog each year with new innovative series. Savinelli produces high-quality Italian pipes that serve as a reflection of your individual tastes. With a portfolio that ranges from rugged designs fit for the outdoors to elegant pieces destined for black tie galas, Savinelli is more than a mark. They're a way to help you make your mark. This is Internet Radio. And we are back on the Pipes Magazine radio show. <clears throat> and remember, you will see some of Reed's pipes in Las Vegas as well. And uh, do check out what he's doing. Maybe we can uh, maybe we can get him busy full time. All right, for music. Uh, so this one comes in from uh, Scott, and he sent this and said, uh, uh, Brian, can't recall if I've sent this your way earlier, but makes me think of your upcoming show. Regards, Scott. This is called... Oh, Las Vegas, and it's from a guy named Graham Parsons, who I was unfamiliar with. Uh, this is from uh, 1974, possibly, and it features Emmy Lou Harris, which I don't think it could be from that ba that far back. But anyway, it's kind of fun. It's uh, kind of upbeat, kind of uh, true about Las Vegas. So this is Oh, Las Vegas from Graham Parsons featuring Emmy Lou Harris. Uh, a little bit fun, a little bit too true. 
Um, however, I will take uh, I will I will take uh, argument with the fact that uh, second drink gin. No, I'll I'll go for the gin and tonic first, especially in Vegas. It's light and refreshing. Um, but the musicians, man, that band was just cooking. So, uh, thanks to Scott for sending that along. There is a message for you. And remember, if you have a comment or question, you can email it directly to me, Brian B R I A N at pipesmagazine.com. Or, you know what, you can follow me on Instagram at BrianLL23 or on Facebook. And, well, it's under my name on Facebook. Uh, and uh, Apple Podcast ratings and reviews are much appreciated, as well as those on uh, Spotify, which I think we're up to like 70, 70 plus on Spotify. So greatly appreciate those. All right, going back to uh, last week's show with Tom on, uh, Dino says, uh, funny stories from Jeff, and yes, Jeff, you can't fix stupid. Um, Tom's musical backstory was terrific with great trumpet mentors and influencers. His introduction to pipe smoking shows how beneficial having a good guru early on saves one from many of the pitfalls and wasted time and money new smokers face. Uh, some interesting whiskey talk, suggestions and pairings, a great Frank classic tune from a magnificent swinging live in Vegas album. Thanks for the shout out. Good hot rant. Another always entertaining show. Thanks, Dino. You're welcome, Dino. And then Casey Ghost says, uh, Jeff had some nice stories about pipe smokers who think nothing is their fault. <laughs> Uh, the extra mile Jeff went for these guys was amazing. I would have told him to go suck eggs. <laughs> I would lose customers, but at least those fools might learn something. I used to listen to Tom when he first started his podcast show. I kind of liked the show at first, but then I quickly noticed one of the uh, other sons was missing. It became apparent they just weren't near as interested as he was. As their attendance waned, so did my interest. Glad to see he's doing well at it, though. Uh, Dino and, uh, and Basie are hard to, are a hard combo to beat. Uh, truly a magnificent tune about that home repairs rant of yours. You have at least 10% of the home value at the start of each year. Uh, you have to have at least 10% of the home value at the start of each year. I've been in my house 15 years and I put on a new roof and a furnace when I moved in any year. Now I expect to hear the heating guy say, I need a new furnace. Yowza. Yeah, well, those are, yeah, anyway. Uh, and then uh, J.B. Frady said, uh, fascinating to hear the tale of the elusive J. Allen Brown. Uh, <laughs> Hutch Piper said, enjoyed the show and really enjoyed his, and really enjoy his YouTube channel, Pipes, Tobacco, and Whiskey. And Renfield said, great show and interview. I especially like the musical selection. Just imagine yourself in Frank's place, a great intro, a receptive audience, a hot band rips into a song, and you step out into the spotlight. Damn. Yeah. I'd just like to step out into the spotlight and have people applaud. Usually I step out of the spotlight and people applaud. I'm <laughs> just kidding. Just kidding. And then uh, lastly, Mike writes, Hi, Brian. Just a note to say how much I enjoyed the interview with Tom Kuhn. This one particularly cracked me up because of the band talk. When you talked about your band dad days and said something like when a band from Texas or Florida came, well, that was the end of that competition. I spit my coffee out in laughter. That's because my daughter is a junior trombone baritone player in the Tarpon Springs Marching Band in Florida. I wonder if they are one of the bands you were referring to as they win so many competitions in 4A. I just found that really funny. Besides that, Tom's reflections on music, pipes, tobacco, and whiskey were just plain fun, and I will be tuning in to check out his YouTube channel for sure. Thanks for putting out such a consistent, excellent podcast each week. I've said it before, but it is the highlight of my week. Not sure what that says about my life, but, well, it is what it is. Seriously, thanks again for your passion of pipes in the pipe community. Mike McMillan of Florida. Yeah. Florida, where uh, marching bands are big, too. Not as big as they are in Texas, right, Tom, if you're listening? All right. Remember, comments, questions, suggestions, ideas, email them to me, brian at pipesmagazine.com. They are greatly appreciated. And uh, rant time is coming up next. Hi, I'm Jeremy Reeves, head blender of Cornell & Deal. We know pipe smoking is a personal journey. 
That's why our small team of blending and production experts take a personal approach in every step, preparing tobacco products just for you. We source top quality leaf through the personal connections we've made around the world, hand blend that leaf, and carefully package each 10. Each product, from special releases like our small batch line to our most popular mixtures like Autumn Evening, are made right here in South Carolina by professionals dedicated to providing the finest of smoking experiences. Lighting up a pipe is an exploration through evolving flavors, thoughts, memories, and even dreams. From our hands to yours, Cornell and Deal tobaccos are your passport for that voyage, provided by people who, like you, value the journey. There's nothing quite like fishing at dawn or smoking my genuine Missouri Meerschaum corncob pipe, an American legend since 1869. It's the coolest, smoothest pipe I've ever owned. Check them out at corncobpipe.com. Here we go, rant time. I've said it before, and I'm going to rant about it again because you just heard about it in this interview with uh, Reed where he said his pipe-making game took off when he got to go work with David Huber. Well, that's called being a mentor, and being a mentor means that somebody of, uh, somebody of uh, better knowledge of an area sat down with somebody that's newer to the area. Well, we've got a pipe show coming up, and there'll be about 400 of us of all different ages and ranges, but all different levels of experience within the pipe smoking hobby. And in order for this hobby to continue on, it is those of us who have been in it, it's our responsibility to be mentors or offer to be a mentor to somebody who's newer in the hobby. And being a mentor may just mean sitting down and talking with them well, you know, for a half hour on the phone or texting back and forth or just, you know, just being a mentor and giving your opinion and giving your experience. Now, this also works on the other side. You newer people, don't be shy. Reach out, sit down, introduce yourself to some of the more experienced pipe smokers. Again, I've said in the past, you'll get a chance. There might be five, six, seven different doctors of pipes, seven or eight masters of pipes running around it at the vegas show well reach out to one of them and you know see if they want to be your mentor or see if you can ask them some questions and say you know what you know what's your technique learn from them see how they pack a pipe see what their pipes look like be a mentor be a mentee because as reed said you know that's what took him to the next level uh, same thing goes with the with the pipe makers and the pipe makers do this really well where they take each other under the wing and guide them and you know help answer questions and stuff by pictures and texts and forums and groups. Well, the same thing can happen in the pipe world too. Uh, some of uh, some of the older guys may not be real familiar with different chat rooms and uh, discords and uh, Snapchats and all that stuff. So you may have to communicate on the level that they want to. But uh, you know what? Find somebody to be your mentor. That's the best way that we can keep this hobby going is by keeping all the knowledge of the more experienced and passing it along to the knowledge, uh, passing it on to the newer smokers. All right. Comments, questions, email me, Brian at pipesmagazine.com. Hope to see a bunch of you in the next day or two arriving early. Remember uh, 14th floor room hopping going on starting on Wednesday night and all day Thursday and most of the day Friday. And uh, then our then the show opens Friday night and we'll, we'll see you there. I've got uh, 24 Sato pipes all polished up and ready to go. So um, that was a lot of work. All right. All right. Thank you very much to Reed for joining me. Thank you all for tuning in. And until next time. Happy trails to you.
bombadira, 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 Busted. Now I gotta work another week. <laughs>